Alrighty, everybody. Welcome back to the MMA Frequency, and we are in the shadow of the biggest event of the year. No, no, I'm not talking about a Kamaru Usman title defense. No, I'm not talking about Gegard Mousasi beating up some scrub in Bellator for less than half a round. I'm talking about the granddaddy of them all. I'm talking about WrestleMania, baby. Uh, I'm not going to talk about WrestleMania at all. Uh, it was an interesting card. Uh, Johnny Knoxville was there. It was very fun. Uh, I had a great time. Love to laugh. Live, laugh, love. That's what I. That's what I always say. But uh, <laughs> talk about WrestleMania. We also have to talk about history of MMA crossover stars and the history of. MMA fighters who weren't stars at all. And speaking of the least acclaimed, but in my opinion, one of the greatest fighters of all time. We talked about him last week. Uh, we talked about the flyweight division. We talked about Kaikar France versus Askar Askarov. And uh, the big daddy of that division was Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Arguably one of my favorite fighters, not arguably, one of my favorite fighters of all time, and arguably one of the greatest fighters of all time, technical, pound for pound. If you look at things weight neutrally and just look at technique, I mean, uh, guy might be the best. So I decided to put together a little Mighty Mouse career retrospective for you, but we're going to have to wait for the back half of the show for that because coming up this Saturday, Saturday, Saturday is UFC 273, uh, Volkanovski versus the Korean Zombie. So a couple of interesting fights. Uh, Mickey Gall, the CM Punk slayer, is headlining the early prelims. Uh, also on the prelims, Anthony Hernandez, Aspen Ladd, Ian Gary, uh, Jairinho Rosenstruck versus Marcin Tybura. I think this is going to be an interesting fight, uh, or possibly not. Rosenstruck is really technically sound. He's a really good kickboxer. I'm pretty sure he's just going to keep Tabera on the outside and box him up for uh, three straight rounds, but it's heavyweight. Anything can happen. Any punch can knock a man out. Uh, the main card opens up with another heavyweight fight. So Alexi Olenek versus Jared Vandera. And Ilir Latifi, who uh, moved up from light heavyweight after a uh, less than star-studded career, was going to fight Olenek. And they were going to fight two weeks ago. But uh, Latifi pulled out that day, and then uh, when they remade the fight for the pay-per-view, he had to pull out again. So Jared Vandera is stepping in to replace him. And to be honest, this might actually be a worse fight for Olenek. I know if you look at Vandera's record, it's not that <laughs> it's not that impressive. But Ilya uh, Latifi is is uh, really 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 bad. So Vandera might not have a uh, totally sparkling record. But Olenek is really getting up there. Uh, I'm honestly surprised he's even still fighting in the UFC. His chin is, is I mean, it must just be getting ground down with all that uh, mileage on it. So unless he pulls him down to the ground, pulls off an Ezekiel choke, gets any kind of, you know, submission, uh, grappling stuff going on, uh, I'm thinking Olenek is probably going to take the L. But that's not what you want me to talk about. Uh, you want me to talk about the main events? And I know there's only two advertised main events, but Gilbert Burns versus Hamzat Chemaev is the people's main event. And listen, Hamzat Chemaev is really, really good, but we're going to find out just how good he is. Uh, 
Hamzat is, uh, if you haven't heard of him, take your head out from whatever rock you've been sticking it behind. Uh, the current undefeated phenom in the UFC, even though uh, he's been phenomenally performing on unranked fighters, uh, he beat up John Phillips, beat up Reese McKee, beat up Gerald Mearshart, did it all in about uh, three months and bounced back and forth between middleweight and welterweight. So that was really, really interesting. But uh, the only other person he's fought since then has been Lee Jingliang. And, okay, listen, listen. I know Hamzad is good. I know Hamzad is good. He's an amazing grappler. He's got hands made out of stone. But Lee Jingliang is not the test for Hamzad Shemaev. When Li Jingliang is presented with intense grappling situations, his solution is to stick his thumb in the guy's eye. He was never going to be the test for Hamza Chimaev. And now everybody all of a sudden, oh, the leech, the leech, Li Jingliang, I mean, he's the best. He's, he's just one of, the, one of the greatest fighters of all time. That's not true. That's not true. Uh, everybody loves a contender and everybody loves a hype train. And choo-choo, baby. I am on board the Hamza train. But uh, Li Jingliang was never going to be it. And even though, you know, Hamza walks through the guy, obviously. So the real test for him is Gilbert Burns, and we are going to find out on Saturday. Because to be completely honest, as of right now, Gilbert Burns might be the best grappler in the division. Uh, Kamaru Usman's knees are dust. Uh, he, I don't know if he could grapple for an extended period of time. Uh, Colby's good, but Burns is a multi-time jiu-jitsu world champion. So uh, I really don't think that Hamza is uh, just going to take him down get underneath the chin, and choke him out. If he does, then yeah, all aboard. Choo-choo. He's, he's the greatest fighter of all time, and he'll win three belts, and I'll be his fan forever. <laughs> but uh, let's just wait and see how this Burns fight goes before we start uh, bigging up Hamza Chimaev. And I know I sound agnostic, but there's not really much to say until we actually see these guys fight. Uh, there are way too many question marks in the realm of this fight for me to make any real definitive statements other than that it's going to be exciting which it? yeah every time the Hamza fights there is a lot of excitement in the air speaking of excitement speaking of I know I know Pyotr Jan might actually be one of the best fighters in the world I know uh, the co-main event Piotr Jan versus Aljamain Sterling 2. We all know the story. Their first fight ended when Jan cracked Aljo over the cracked his skull like an egg with a uh, grounded knee and a legal strike. Got disqualified. We all know that obviously there's all the funny memes of Aljo crying, holding the belt. Didn't want things to go this way. Uh... And yeah, 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 his friends made him party after he won the title, blah, 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 blah. But I love underdogs. I love dominant grapplers. I love guys who go balls to the walls with wacky striking. And I love corny-ass dudes. So Aljo fulfills all of these conditions for me. He's just not got it, though. I mean, uh, his neck was basically dust. He healed it up over the course of the last year. He Physically, he looks great. He looks way better than he did before the last fight. And I think he can make adjustments, but, I mean, Jan is a machine. He's just a machine. He's calculating. He's methodical. 
but he's never plotting. He's never slow. He is a ridiculously dominant grappler. Uh, he can put you on your ass with his striking or overwhelm you with volume. He I, he doesn't have any weak weak areas. And he, listen, I think Aljamain did, did do very, very good in the one grappling exchange he controlled in the first fight. But he gassed out hard. He threw everything he had at Jan, who was basically just defending like a brick wall for the first two and a half rounds of that fight. And he completely burned himself out, just going for the takedown over and over and over again to the point where, you know, I mean, almost humiliating him in the middle of the ring, just throwing him around like a child. Uh, he's got to be a little more strategic and invest in a more tactical way to get the takedown. Because, you know, if he throws four blast double legs now, but, you know, like it connects on two or three of them, then he might actually have a shot to contend on the ground. Uh, I don't think he's going to be able to strike with him at all. Uh, I think Aljo just has to uh, pray? 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 I don't know. I don't know, guys. This one's a little rough. Uh, and uh, I, I just, I can't, I can, I can suggest all of these ideas. I can tell him to be tactical. I can tell him to focus on circling around the cage and being evasive and using head movement and all this other stuff. But uh, there's seemingly obvious documentary evidence that he just cannot hang with Jan. I mean, nobody in the division can. So uh, I think pretty soon he might actually be wishing that that illegal knee was the worst thing that happened to him, considering all the talk that Jan is talking about uh, putting him in the morgue. The main event, originally supposed to be a much more exciting main event. It was going to be Volkanovski versus Max Holloway 3. Which I mean, I haven't rewatched the second fight in 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 ages. Uh, if you want to talk to me about, uh, if you want to yell at me about who won that fight, I'll just I'll just stare at you with a blank expression on my face. Lots of people think Max won. I thought that Wolkanovski probably did enough to take it in the moment, but this was almost like two years ago. So Max pulled out though, undisclosed injuries, and the Korean Zombie TKZ. TKZ is a, a great replacement fighter, but I do not think that he is a great uh, actual challenge for Volkanovski in terms of uh, abilities-wise. Korean Zombie's a great striker. He's always game. But in addition to Jan, Volk is also one of the best in the history of his division. Uh, one of the few guys, other than Max Holloway and Conor McGregor, to put an L on Jose Aldo's record at featherweight. Uh, and yet he's just like a perfect universal fighter. The way he blends striking and grappling is very, very impressive. Uh, I don't know. I think it's going to go exactly like uh, Volkanovski versus Ortega. Uh, Korean Zombie's going to come out game. He's going to kind of come out hard and probably uh, kind of get worn down over the course of the fight, and Volkanovski's going to win a decision. Volkanovski could finish him. Uh, who knows? But that's where I'm thinking on this card for this weekend obviously next week i'll be there to break down all the stuff that actually happened and in the news this week there were a few interesting incidents uh not that uh one i just want to touch on real quickly uh bellator bellator welterweight champion uh, yaroslav amosov went actually went through with it he went to ukraine 
I think that's very, very impressive. Right now, he's enlisted in the Ukrainian army and actually fighting. So that's actually really, really cool for him. Uh, well, not cool for him, but it's very cool that he's doing it. Uh, we had an announcement for uh, June 275. Izzy's sons are fighting again. Robert Whitaker is uh, fighting Jared uh, Vittori, Marvin Vittori. I, he's not, his name is not Jared Vittori, Marvin Vittori. Uh, it's going to be an interesting one. I think Rob probably takes it again. Uh, he's just the second best guy in the division. He's insane. But uh, Izzy's really starting to clear out the top of that division. So many of these uh, top matchups are being made by with, uh, guys that have L's on their record to Izzy. Very, very interesting. Uh, in terms of other fights, not a fight made, but a fight lost. Big Ben Roswell, cut from the UFC. Can you believe it? A man of, of, of such talent as Ben Roswell and his scheduled dream match with Alexander Gustafson, canceled, dashed, dashed against the rocks. I mean, God, what I would have given to see an old, slow, out-of-shape Alexander Gustafson fight an old, slow, out-of-shape heavyweight. I mean, God, could, could you imagine? Could, could you imagine the glory? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know who the UFC heavyweight division is going to get by without Ben Roswell, but I think they're going to have to, we're just going to have to learn to live, live in his absence. Uh, Davison Figueredo targeting 2022 for a return, and very interestingly, uh, targeting Kai Car of France. Even though he called for a force fight in Mexico, uh, he's now saying that, uh, Brendan Moreno's team has been disrespecting uh, him. His coaches have been disrespecting him and also saying that uh, Moreno's followers are disrespecting him on social media. He's facing social media harassment and such. Uh, so he's been making waves by saying essentially that he's not worthy of a title fight. I think I'm still interested in seeing the force Figgy Moreno fight. But uh, Kai Kara France might be the guy that Figueredo jumps in uh, for his next title fight. Moreno might actually have to take another fight back of the line with him. Uh, Michael Chandler tried to put his hand in the uh, sock puppet that is Tony Ferguson, telling uh, MMA fighting that uh, Tony Ferguson definitely hasn't lost a step after three straight losses. Uh, this is deceptively simple to see. I mean, everybody can see what he's doing. Uh, I love Tony, but... He's kind of washed. He, he, his chin isn't all there. Uh, a new generation of guys are really just uh, outskilling him and beating him out. And uh, it's pretty clear to me that Mike Chandler wants uh, Tony Ferguson to have the biggest profile he possibly can before he knocks this guy's head off. He's trying to juice this fight for, you know, as big of a step up in the ranking as he possibly can, trying to make it sound as impressive as he possibly can. Uh, so that he can get uh, that much closer to a title shot. We see your games, Michael Chandler. We see your games, Michael Chandler. Jan Blakowicz and Alexander Rachik, we were talking about this a couple weeks ago, uh, finally rescheduled. We, they found a date for it. It's going to be May 14th. So they're headlining the fight card. That's going to be an interesting fight, seeing Jan getting back in there after losing the title. Uh, Kelvin Gastelum. Ah, I forgot to talk about this while covering the card. Uh, so Kelvin Gastelum was first set to uh, fight Nasserdini Mavov, 
at uh, this Saturday. Amavov pulled out, and then Drikas Duplassis stepped in, and then, like two days later, Gaslam was uh, like, "Wait, wait, wait! I'm hurt. I gotta, I gotta bounce." So, very, very interesting. Gaslam on a really, really deep skid right now, one and five. So hopefully he can turn that around. And uh, if he's hurt, uh, not walk into a fight compromised, ideally. Other than that, not much going on in the news as of late. So let's get into the main attraction for this week. So Demetrius Johnson career began in 07 and he started out as a bantamweight 135 pounds uh and he was really good just a uh he was good but he was kind of common you know what I mean he was uh just another guy and he had a decent little stint in WEC at the end of the promotion and then moved over to UFC after UFC bought them out and so the first fight that I watched, even though it's outside of the run that I'm specifically focusing in on in terms of his UFC career, was uh, Dominic Cruz versus Demetrius Johnson. Mighty Mouse, as just his nickname, uh, he earned himself a bantamweight title shot against Dom Cruz, who at this point was completely and utterly dominant. And that fight was just a story of uh, the size, basically. Mighty Mouse was always really, really good at bantamweight, but... That size, that was the problem. He could never, uh, he was always a little bit small for the division. And nowhere is it more uh, clear to see than in the uh, Dominic Cruz fight. I mean, it is all about the size, all about the power. Mighty Mouse could not press any kind of grappling advantage. And when Dominic Cruz took him down, he would hold him down. Uh, the footwork, that irregular Dom Cruz footwork, you know, the kind of, the kind of skips and the kind of dips, uh, the way that he's constantly kind of switching up his stance and moving side to side in irregular ways, uh, that was really throwing off Mighty Mouse. You could, you could tell watching the fight. And, uh, I mean, in round two, he spent most of the round trying to get a takedown against the cage. Literally could not pick Dominic Cruz up. That's how much bigger he was than uh, Mighty Mouse. Uh, I mean, at one point, Cruz literally German suplexed uh, Demetrius Johnson. That doesn't happen often. Grabbed him in the waist lock, lifted him up, slammed him on the back of his head. Uh, might, I mean, and, and Mighty Mouse is, is technically good. He was technically legit at this time. I mean, you know, uh, Cruz couldn't hold him down. He wasn't, he wasn't rattling his head around the cage. Uh, you know, Mighty Mouse was pulling out of rear naked choke attempts and stuff, but... Uh, Dominic Cruz basically uh, cruised to a, a five-round unanimous decision in that fight. So the UFC, at around this time, decided that they were going to add a 125-pound division to the roster. And wouldn't you know it, uh, Joe Benavidez, another contender uh, for Dominic Cruz's bantamweight title who lost to him, was a, a guy who stepped in also immediately for the uh, flyweight division. They made a... Uh, Four-person, I believe it was a four-person uh, flyweight tournament. So the tournament was decided the inaugural champion. And this is what I'm talking about here. So Demetrius Johnson went on quite literally a legendary run. 
from winning the UFC Flyweight Championship, he, in his next, and let's count him, Joseph Benavidez beat him in a split decision to win the belt. John Donson, John Moraga, Joe Benavidez, Ali Bagutinov, Chris Carriasso, Kyoji Horiguchi, John Dotson, Henry Cejudo, Tim Elliott, Wilson Hayes, Ray Borg. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. He broke Anderson Silva's title record for uh, continuous uh, title defenses. 11 title defenses in a row. Absolutely insane. Uh, he was styling on guys for six straight years. Six years! So I'm just going to take you through a quick little resume rundown on this uh, incredible, resplendent uh, 11 uh, title fight run. So there were a few fights that I uh, looked into. For this review, uh, both the John I did not watch either of the uh, John Dotson fights. There are a couple of uh, you know uh, slow uh, kind of I don't I wouldn't even call it boring, but a handful of slow unanimous decisions in the in this uh, championship run. But uh, not out of uh, not out of a lack of skill. These guys just couldn't hang with him. So the both of those John Dotson fights cruised to decision over both of them. The first fight that I uh, watched was the second Joseph Benefita's fight. And, I mean, this was just this is just beautiful work from Mighty Mouse. Beautiful work. Uh, barely got touched the whole fight. Uh, basically didn't even use any head movement. He was evading strikes entirely with footwork, pulling back. Uh, and one of those interesting little Mighty Mouse quirks I started to notice is that every time he pulled back to dodge punches, he would come back in in a different stance. He would switch stances every time he evaded. And uh, you could tell that Benavides had no idea what was going on. It uh, completely kept him guessing. Uh, there was a beautiful little moment where uh, Mighty Mouse chased a single leg, not to get the takedown, but to just rabbit punch Benavides in the middle of the octagon. And uh, they kept... They kept the way these uh, flyweight fights go, they, 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 they duck in and they go in and out. They, they clash and then they evade. And so Benavides comes in, he clashes, throws a punch, grabs Mighty Mouse, tries to clinch, comes off of it, and both of his hands are down. Mighty Mouse just reads him like a book. As soon as he sees the opening, jumps in with the right hand, perfect, flatlines him. Uh, didn't, even, didn't get more than halfway through the first round in his second fight. Uh, banished Joseph Benavidez to uh, flyweight contendership for the rest of uh, Mighty Mouse's career in the UFC. Uh, he tapped out John Moraga with an arm bar. That was a very impressive fight. Ali Bagutinov was uh, one of those uh, UDs that he really styled on the guy. I mean, Bagutinov couldn't keep up with him, and then Bagutinov tested positive for EPO afterwards. The steroid that is literally... Uh, custom built for you to keep pace. Still couldn't keep up with the guy. Uh, the next fight I watched was Demetrius Johnson versus Kyoji Horiguchi. Horiguchi, uh, one of the uh, best Japanese MMA fighters that crossed over into uh, America. So good. Such a great kickboxer. I mean, uh, incredible striking. Mighty Mouse uh, completely uh, controlled him with the grappling. The clinch work was so, so good. Uh, and he 
the way Mighty Mouse fights, you can tell that he thinks of these fights as a totality. He is not fighting round by round. Uh, he spent the whole fight working to get Horiguchi flat on his back. So everything was building up to that. You know, uh, in the first round, he, he took him down, and they were in the seated position uh, against the cage, and Mighty Mouse was still pressuring, still <laughs> throwing shoulders at Horiguchi, uh, kept ducking in, kept pushing him up against the clinch, uh, up against the cage in the clinch. Crazy, insane pressure uh, from Mighty Mouse in this fight. One thing I noticed, footwork dominated the fight in every way, but footwork was key to this fight. Uh, constantly cutting him off when he, uh, Horiguchi tried to move from side to side. And uh, Mighty Mouse, the way uh, guys with really good footwork, they can kind of lull their opponents into almost like this dance, you know what I mean? where they're leading this dance and Mighty Mouse is controlling the flow of the fight and controlling exactly where he wanted Horiguchi to go. Because he kept cutting off Horiguchi from side to side, Horiguchi kind of zeroed in on him. And that's, I mean, when a guy is moving forward at you, you got to move backwards. So he always ended up with his back against the cage. And that's when Mighty Mouse would go in for the clinch. And, you know, he never got discouraged that, you know, if it was a low-impact takedown and he got him seated against the cage or... Uh, tried to get his back but couldn't, never discouraged, always just went back to the cage. Uh, it's so incredible to watch this fight after the Cruz fight because, I mean, Mighty Mouse, after getting uh, completely size bullied by Cruz, uh, once, he's in, once he was in a division that was, I mean, with guys that are just similar size to him, he, he, he completely and utterly was dominant in the wrestling uh, striking defense was unimpeachable too. He took one big knee at the beginning of the second round, but just barreled forward into the clinch anyway. Horiguchi took him down once, but Mighty Mouse worked his way up to standing almost immediately. Uh, he finally got the back for the first time at the end of the second round, and uh, from there, it just got worse and worse and worse from Horiguchi. Horiguchi countered a couple of uh, takedown attempts, kind of uh, caught Mighty Mouse in the neck and wrestled him down to the mat, but uh, those were few and far between. Uh, in the middle of the third round, Mighty Mouse finally got him flat on his back, but Horiguchi got up, and uh, eventually, oh, there's this beautiful duck under, and a uh, duck under double leg from Mighty Mouse got him flat on his back and guard. Uh, there was basically more time spent on the ground than on the feet so far in that fight, and Horiguchi could basically only challenge in the grappling. When, when they were on the feet, I mean, uh, he couldn't even touch Mighty Mouse. Uh, gave Horiguchi no space to breathe through the fourth and fifth rounds. There was essentially no striking in this fight by the end. And uh, that's, that's what I mean when uh, Mighty Mouse sinks the fights in their totality, is that it was all building up to the fifth round uh, so that he could get him flat in his back. And he finally did after Horiguchi's gas tank was empty. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful work taking the back, flattening him out, getting him side control, uh, just throwing him around in the back. And in the final minute, he finally took him down one more time, got him in the crucifix, sort of raining down huge elbows. Beautiful. And then picks Horiguchi up, gets up on him, yanks his arm for one of the slickest, smoothest, easiest armbar takes I've ever seen somebody do in their entire life. And Horiguchi tapped out for the... Uh, another MMA UFC record that Mighty Mouse sent, the uh, latest submission in UFC history. Uh, 
It's literally impossible to have a later one now. He tapped him out at four minutes and 59 seconds into the final round. Uh, Horiguchi tapped and then the bell rang. Insane fight, insane fight. I mean, that might be, he, he knocked out Benavides cold in his second fight, but the Horiguchi fight might be the most impressive fight in uh, Mighty Mouse's resume. The next fight that I looked at after Horiguchi was the first Henry Cejudo fight. Oh my God, he just bullied poor Cejudo in that fight. And, you know, Cejudo, Cejudo was pressuring. Cejudo was meeting him in the clinch. Uh, but Mighty Mouse was, had beautiful wrist control, always kept Henry's hand down. Henry could never get any good strikes in. Uh, Henry, Henry Cejudo basically would, would clinch with him uh, to just throw weak knees. Cejudo did, however, he got a leg sweep. He, uh, while they were in the clinch, he swept Mighty Mouse's leg out from under him and got a good takedown. And... Uh, Mighty Mouse kicked him off. One of the most ridiculous kickoffs I've ever seen. Uh, full force just reared back and shoved Henry Cejudo with his legs like a couple feet back so that he uh, jumped up. And at this point, you can kind of tell that Mighty Mouse was like, oh, oh, you want to play? You want to play, huh? And uh, he stunned Cejudo with a knee to the head. And from there, uh, just made a melt with the pressure. Knees to the body, knees to the head, elbows to the head. Uh, they <laughs> and then they break from the clinch, and Cejudo's standing punch drunk. So Mighty Mouse, always composed, gives a quick little jog to follow him, gets him gets one last good clinch knee in, and uh, Henry Cejudo just crumpled to the floor uh, to get the finish. That was another one that was uh, just half around, half around. These guys are some of the best fighters in the world, and Mighty Mouse made them look silly. And of course, the uh, final fight that I looked at for this little uh, resume retrospective was his last title defense against Ray Borg, and I mean, <laughs> beautiful. I mean, it's just beautiful work. The Ray Borg fight is a uh, modern masterpiece of MMA. Completely controlled him the whole time. There, Demetrius Johnson was never in in a scrap of danger throughout the entire Ray Borg fight, uh, throwing him around in the grappling, basically just playing, just playing with him, playing with his food. And, of course, the legendary uh, mousetrap at, uh, at the end of the third round, Mighty Mouse, after just beating on this poor guy for five, for five straight rounds, uh, gets, him, gets him in a uh, backlock, is in the clinch, lifts him up, German suplex, boom, in midair, throws his legs over Ray Borg's arm, suplex armbar, catches him on the ground, Borg literally screamed in pain, and you can still see it on the replay. Uh, he held on way longer than you could ever expect somebody to hold on an armbar. Ray Borg's a tough guy, but, I mean, he tapped. Uh, if there's one thing that I've learned from watching those fights is that Demetrius Johnson might be one of the best fighters of all time. His striking defense, always perfect. His striking offense, uh, never threw any punches with uh, any kind of give to him, never uh, telegraphed any strikes. Uh, the, the feints are ridiculous, you know. Mighty Mouse would just, you know, one hand flash up, and by the time you even process what's going on, he's kicked you in the body. Uh, his grappling technique, his clinch technique, it's all picture perfect. He, throughout his entire run as flyweight champion, 
was never once placed in a disadvantaged position. I, I, I mean, uh, guys got takedowns on him, guys hit him, but I mean, this kind of dominance over that time period, 2012 to 2017, five straight years, 11 straight fights, oh, it's so impressive. I could, I, could, I could talk about, I mean, we've hit 30. I could talk about it for another 30 minutes, man. Uh, obviously, uh, I, we're not going to talk about the, uh, second Henry Cejudo fight. That's, that one still got me a little bitter. Uh, a very close split decision in a rematch with Henry Cejudo lost him his flyweight championship. Uh, I don't think he actually did, but what can you do? You know what I mean? Uh, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. If you have Fight Pass, if you have a YouTube account, if you know how to Google, basically, I mean, look into some of these fights. Uh, Horiguchi fight, Ray Borg fight, uh, the Dodson fights. Uh, it's absolutely insane. Demetrius Johnson, one of the greatest to ever do it, and I'm very glad that I got to uh, talk a little bit about his... Uh, incredible and iconic uh, 11 uh, title defense streak for you guys today, but no fights last weekend, UFC 273 coming up on Saturday that's pretty much it for today I don't have anything else left to uh, gab about, so uh, that's going to be calling it quits for me, see you next time on the MMA Frequency Bye. bye